0: Hey everybody. Good morning. If you can start finding your seat, that'd be great. That'd be great. What a great turnout. Good to see all of you. Are you guys warming up? Yeah, it feels really good. Like it was, I woke up this morning like sad, angry, afraid because I was thinking, you know, 33 degrees outside. But honestly, clear sky sitting underneath this, this is fantastic. Um, so, this is our first fall festival, and we're really excited about it, and I just want to give out some thanks to people who deserve it, um, and you guys can just give them a round of applause with each name. Uh, first, uh, Stacy Martin. Can you guys get up for Stacy Martin? <laughs> Stacy has orchestrated all this, and she has done a great, great job. She's probably back there, I'm guessing. Oh, wait, Stacey? No, she's back there getting it all set up. So that's exciting. Uh, Y'all get up for Logan Mosley. Man, there you go. There he is. He's receiving the praise on a Sunday morning. Give it to him and then give it back to Jesus. Um, Logan, man, he he packed his car out. He was running all kinds of errands. Uh, Hey, Logan, did you get the prize money? I mean, the prize uh, gift cards, you got them? Look at this. We got $200 gift cards they're going to go to a winter of pie and then a winter of chili. It's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I think they're both to Subway, so that's great. I'm not joking. I love Subway. Um, and uh, Cherie, where's Cherie? I know Cherie's around somewhere. Y'all, Cherie was putting together the judges and, oh, there she is in the back. Y'all can give her a hug later on and recognize her. She'd love that. Um she was putting together the judges for this. So we're, here's the thing. We've never done the, done this before a fall festival. Um, I've always loved, uh, the idea of getting the church together and coming outside and, and doing fun things for the kids and whatnot around this time of year. Honestly, uh, sermon and things like that, it's important, but like we're, we're here just to kind of enjoy the whole time together. So uh we're gonna jump in here to this passage. We're actually continuing with Sermon on the Mount and but we're not gonna go as long as usual, which a lot of you are excited about that because <laughs> thank you, Elder Tom. Uh, <laughs> appreciate that. It's very lonely up here, even more so with you now. Um so we got a lot of food in the back, and we got this huge blow-up house in the back, and we actually have games for kids. So this going to be a lot of fun, but let me just kind of jump into this passage, and let's talk about this for a minute and uh, move on. So will you please stand with me? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 33. Hear God's word. Again, you have heard that it was said Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, we pray you be with us this morning and let us have a good time, but also help us just really understand what this passage is simply saying, no more, no less, that I'd get out of the way, you'd show up, and we would be compelled, convinced, convicted, and moved out of here to want to live in these kind of ways, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, all right, let me just address something. I'm wearing a cape. And I actually have, like, another piece that goes with this. Do you want to see it? Yeah? yeah? Okay. Just give me a second, okay? You sure? Because this, this actually might kind of freak you out. Okay, hold on. Do you get it? I'm Batman and Robin. Come on now. Give it up. How many of you can do that? None of you? Because you weren't given a girl's name as a boy. So, so let me just keep the mask on for a second, not for the whole time, because some of you will walk away like, this guy's sacrilegious and we're all going to hell. But at least Josh wore wings. That's right. We together. Somebody else, I heard whispers, would wear a, a, a horse head on the stage, but we thought that just might be too much. So... Uh, yeah, so here you go, Batman and Robin. That's that's the whole thing. I've, I've been people are always asking me, "Hey, Robin, where's Batman?" And I got sick and tired of it. I decided to show them where Batman was. It was right here, in my heart, deep inside. So, um, let's <laughs> kick that off, Halloween. How many of you? How many of you grew up uh, celebrating, enjoying Halloween? Okay. All right, how many of you felt like you would go to hell if you celebrated or enjoyed Halloween? All right, I'm with you, okay? So growing up, we didn't celebrate Halloween. We didn't have Halloween parties. Uh, anybody want to guess what my church did? Wait, wait, who, somebody said what? Hallelujah! That's right, it was a hallelujah fest. That's what it was. It wasn't even trunk or tree. It was just straight up hallelujah fest. I remember, um, you know, they do like a big bonfire and like they would be all these like games set up within our gym. And um, uh, I remember the first game I played as a kid, uh, this couple were sitting there and you they would do Bible trivia with you. And I remember this to this day, I don't remember most of my childhood because of trauma, but I remember, I remember this question, okay? Uh, and the question is this, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Well, did they? (laughs) Exactly. That was the question I had to answer as an eight-year-old child. Trying to reconcile, like, Jesus and faith, and now I'm trying to reconcile belly buttons. Um, it, was, it was very confusing. That's what I grew up with. That was the world I grew up in. Uh, we would not recognize Halloween. Does anybody, though, um, rhetorically, I'm asking this, like, anybody actually know the origins of Halloween? So Halloween was something that we can find as far back that the Celts uh, celebrated. It actually was a, a festival of harvest, that at the end of October, going into uh, November, it was considered that this was kind of the end of summer fall, and you would harvest your food. And then, it would, for the Celts, uh, it was the way they would recognize their new year, and it was called Soan, And so, Soan was the celebration. And but what they believed was is that somehow the world shifted in a way where when you went to the new year, spirits could now roam the earth for just one day. And they also believed that demonic presence could roam the earth. And so what they did was they didn't want to be like killed by a demon or bump into one and the demon think they were human. So they would, uh, they would dress up so that the demons were like, oh, there's another demon. How you doing? I'm moving right along, right? And so that was kind of the first celebration of it. Like they just wanted to kind of keep their lives what they believed. They also um, were druids. And and druids, one of the parts of the celebration was they would gather people around these huge bonfires, uh, and then they would try to give prophecies, promises. That'll come back around for us in a minute. Promises of what the year would look like for these people. Uh, So that was, again, how the world operated, and then as Christianity became more Christendom and consuming more of the world, making it integrated into its beliefs, about 609 or so in that range, um, the Pope said, okay, here's the deal, we're just going to adapt this idea of Halloween, but we're going to, like, the next day is going to be All Saints Day. And All Saints Day will be the day that we recognize all these great saints. And then as time went on, though, uh, people were still dressing up. So they said, well, let's recognize the whole dressing up thing. So what it became in England about a, 500 years later were anyone who was poor, they would dress up on Halloween, on October 31st. and They would go to others' homes that had money and food, and they would sing for them a soul song a soul song to be able to get soul cakes and they would be given food and money as long as these people promised, these people who were poor, as long as they promised to pray for these wealthy people's relatives who were in purgatory, right? So that's how it all started and eventually it just kind of kept evolving and evolving and evolving. Now here's the thing, Um, trick-or-treat It's really simple, right? So the idea is that Uh, I'll either trick you and, or unless you give me a treat. So if you don't want to be tricked, give me a treat, which is your choice. What do you want here and now? And even the whole concept around Halloween, right, is that it's a lot of fun. You dress up and you go out, but like, you're basically dressing up for a person to accept you enough to give you candy, right? That's what's happening. Like I'm, I'm going to dress up and if you really like what I have on, can you please give me candy back? I mean, am, am I overthinking it from there? Is that kind of it for us? yeah okay, that's what I thought All right. I mean, if there's another layer to it, let me know later on that you've nuanced with Halloween so basically like it's going I'm gonna dress up and and then I'm gonna almost even kind of hide myself to some degree and then you're going to kind of give me give me something back now here's the question how do I tie this into our sermon series? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Tom's like I was waiting for this 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 idea of what we're stating with our lives, of how we dress up, of how we make promises, right? But then there's also this part that's not really true to that. That if we're not careful, we're making promises and we're dressing up for the world in a way for them to believe us, maybe for one day. But then the next day, maybe the costumes or the promises are let go. And then now we're left with these consequences where people are going, hey, you actually aren't who you said that you were. And this is actually something that's really important to Jesus. Matter of fact, it's not going to go very much longer here. Like, I got like one or two things to say. But what Jesus is pointing out here, I believe, is like the foundation to all this stuff we've been talking through with Sermon on the Mount, the path of Jesus. Because what Jesus is talking about is you being a person of your word like your character what you say and what you do lining up. Because if you don't have that, then you don't have trust. And then people won't believe you. And if anything, we end up fracturing people's like views of us as a church. Look here. Jesus is saying up front in verse 33, he goes, "'You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn.'" He's actually referencing something from Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. And it says there, If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, this became known as what rabbis would call a shavua. Everybody tried to say Shavu- shavuah. Shavua, you never thought somebody dressed like Batman would lead you through Hebrew. All right, so Shavua. Shavua were these vows that you would take. And the way they would work is you would invoke the name of the Lord and say, I swear by God and his throne and upon the footstool of this world that I live in that I will do what I say that I'm going to do. Okay? And that was considered actually a legally binding contract. Like, your words had that kind of power at this time to where you would make these, like, legal transactions. You would do it in public, okay? So if, if Chris and I were talking right now and I were saying to him, Chris, I swear to our God above that I am going to make sure to uh, make you some really, really good chili that you're going to love and you're going to be really excited about it. It's going to change your life, all right? Um, if I were to make that kind of promise to him and all of you heard it, you would all go, that's legally binding. Robin now has to make this like incredible chili, which I can't do. But like he would say, this has got to happen. Now what would happen over time though, is that everybody's taken Shavuos. Like I swear that I'll give you this goat. It's going to happen. Right? I swear to you that, that I am going to follow through and help you with your house. I swear to you that I'm going to, like, lend you this money. Whatever it is you need, I, sw- I swear to you I'm going to pay you back the money. Like, all these things were, were Shavuahs. But then the question was coming, that was coming after that was, but how often do I actually have to keep the Shavuah? Like, when can I kind of break Shavuah? Like, that became the discussion for the next 1,500 years amongst rabbis. And it was, like, the hot topic of Jesus' time. Like, do I have to really follow through with this promise, with this vow that I've made? And, like, what's really going to happen if I don't? Now, let's just try to draw this in here with us. How often have you just made promises you don't follow through with? Like, I know for Suzanne, she has projects around the house. She's like, Robin, I want you to do these projects. Will you please do these projects? Absolutely. I shavua that. I will do, I don't actually say that to her, thank goodness. Like, I shavua that, I'll do that. I don't say that. But like, I'm going, yes, I'll, I will take care of that. Now, I'm not swearing on my grandfather's grave, which I maybe could, but wouldn't make a difference. But like I'm saying, I'll, I'll take care of that. And whenever I don't, what do you think happens there with her? Loss of trust, that's right, spoken like a true wife, that's right. Loss of trust. I keep asking you to do this, you say you're going to do it, and it doesn't happen. We keep talking about budget, and how we're going to like follow budget, but you keep breaking that. You keep making all these extra expenditures, right? We keep talking about these certain boundaries, how we're going to argue in a way that is not harmful to the person, but actually is honoring, and we're going to take our time with it. Like one of the boundaries we have in our home is whenever there's a fight or an argument, I'm sorry, we don't fight. Whenever there's an argument or a disagreement, whatever you want to call it, whenever we have those moments, um, one or the other person, if it gets too intense, has the right to be able to say timeout, right? this is how it works. A timeout is called, like if if Suzanne called, it's usually me that calls the timeout, if you really want to know, but whenever Suzanne has to call the timeout... um, she's the one that has to call the time in, right? So like it's kind of like we have to kind of stop the game that we were playing, and then we give it a pause. Now the rules are she has to call time in within 24 hours of calling time out because you don't want let to it, let it sit too long, that kind of thing, right? So we found that this actually is helpful because sometimes your like, feelings and, and can really get high, and you just need a moment to kind of calm down, maybe make a couple of phone calls, complain about the other person, find some empathy, and then get back in the game again. Right? <laughs> Guess how often I want to break like those boundaries? Like all the time. You know, she's like, time out. No, you can't call. I was just getting to the good part. You can't call the timeout right now. <laughs> no, 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 time in. No, I call the timeout. Like we have to have a timeout. Right? And we found that when we keep those boundaries, it actually is helpful. But when there's breaking of boundaries of that, and I just kind of force my way back in, like it not only is hurtful, it ends up being harmful because now she's asking the question, can I trust you? And can you trust me that I'll like come back around? We'll have this conversation. You see, the world is built around this kind of idea of, can you keep your word? And if you can't keep your word, if you're not a person of your word, then the whole, uh, the whole foundation of relationship must break down. That you're always living in this hypervigilance, wondering, is this person gonna like, come back and get me and hurt and harm me in a way? And Jesus is saying to them, You are making all these Shavuot's, you're making all these big promises, but you keep breaking them. He goes, I'm sick and tired of it. Like, stop breaking all of these promises to each other. Like follow through and do what you say you're going to do and quit being manipulative, invoking God's name because your name isn't enough. Are you with me on that? So many times we'll be like, I promise, I swear this will happen this time. See, people who do that, people who do that, they don't have enough to their own name for their word to be enough. Have you been the kind of person, have I been the kind of person that my word, my bond has been broken so many times that I have to tell people, just trust me, it'll happen this time. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe you're a dangerous person. Maybe there are some boundaries that need to happen there. And Jesus, I mean, think about it. We think Jesus is going to talk about these grand epic things, salvation for all of humanity, like how the world's going to change. We're going to in poverty. And the first thing he starts addressing is trust. He's like, you have nothing else to give the world until you actually have a life they can trust, a word they can trust, a character they can look at and buy into. This is why character matters. Your, your character, my character doesn't matter so that we get like high fives from angels, right? And like God's like, you're such a great righteous person, so proud of you. Your character matters because like the whole the holistic put back together the world the renewal of the world depends on that because what's happens in society is that the church keeps saying that we buy into like feeding and loving and taking care of and ending poverty and yet our budgets don't show that we say that we believe in like all lives and people, like their worth and dignity, these kind of things really matter. But when we see maybe a people, an ethnicity, a group here even in America that is dealing with subjugation, like we don't want to like enter into those conversations, we want to get away from it. We, we believe in equality, we believe in dignity, but we don't put all the hard work into making that happen. But you know what, we offer great worship services on Sunday and really good education about theology and here's what I've found. I'm less and less interested in what someone believes and more and more interested in how their beliefs are working for them. Like, I'm less interested in someone's theology. They just want to kind of throw out their theology. This is what I see. Like, I get that. That, that sounds really great. How is that changing your life? Are you living different now because of that? And if not, let's quit talking about all the theology you know. Let's quit talking about all the great ideas you have about the world. Let's talk about the ways you're wanting to actually be a person of your word. That means it's really important for us. I I hope you see this over time, if you haven't already. There was a a thing Christ City did for the longest time that brought a lot of you anxiety, because you've told me this. And that is, you almost felt like there was a, a, uh, like the, the cart before the horse trying to work out our theology, even on a Sunday morning. It felt like we were all over the place sometimes. Like we say that we're going to be about this right here, and then next month, well, now we're about this right here, or next month, well, now we're about this right here, and then you're going, wait a second, like I thought we said we we're going to be about that. I thought it was going to be this kind of community group. I thought it was going to be about serving this people group here, over here, or, or helping the poor, whatever it may be. And that's why we've had to make some big changes going, you know what? Before we even get to Sunday morning talking about how we're going to do this or that, we're just going to live it out and let Sunday mornings not be the starting point, but be the tip of the funnel where it all comes out and you get to hear what's been happening so far. I really believe that's important because otherwise you end up with whiplash, head on a swivel, constantly wondering what's next. And churches are meant to be Like, we're meant to risk, but we're also meant to be a safe place where people can risk because they can trust us. No one in this city is, um, we're owed no one's trust in the city until we actually start living things out. And here's what Jesus goes on to say. Notice at the end. He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one white, one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. And he says after that, anything more comes from evil. He's actually referencing Proverbs 10, and I'm going to read it to you from the message. Proverbs ten nineteen says, The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. The speech of a good person is worth waiting for. The blabber of the wicked is worthless. The talk of a good person is rich, fair for many. But chatterboxes die of an empty heart. Like, you, you know, it's plain and simple. Your mouth keeps writing checks, your life can't cash, right? And at some point in time, we had to kind of pull the plug on that and say, we're just gonna live it out. Which could be frustrating because it means it goes at a slower pace. It means we have to kind of walk this path with Jesus. It's not very sexy. It's not super exciting. But it's one of those things that if you're willing to walk this path with him and be faithful in these ways, it's more about attraction than promotion. You know what I mean when I say that? They use that a lot in the recovery world. That you don't go to someone and say, well, you're an alcoholic and you're definitely an addict and you all need to be in these rooms. No, that doesn't work because people won't stay. Like, at the end of the day, their policy is going to be we want to attract people by living these ways than just trying to promote ourselves. What if our church was more attractional than promotional? Like less marketing and more just being trustworthy. Like I, I, know, we don't, I know that's a horrible growth strategy. I get it. I, I, like I know that you really don't add the numbers to that one. I know that people want a lot more promises to take away their fear. But what if the promises of Jesus are enough and we can just simply just be people of our word? We just live it out. I, I think the city would be refreshed with those kind of people, personally. I think they'd be refreshed with the kind of people who wear less masks, right, and simply just show up and say, I'm here and I'm available, who I am in my life. And we don't have to say to each other, like, just trust me, just trust me. No, maybe I don't need to. Maybe I haven't seen enough from your life. But maybe over time, as we do this together, you'll find that I'm a trustworthy person and so are you. And maybe as we live those ways together, people will go, hey, the way they're interacting is really attractive. I think I just want to join in on that. So that's what we're here to do, to be attractional in the midst of the city, not just promotional, to be people of our word, Amen? Amen. See, really simple. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have communion. Father, thank you for this time together. Um, Not a huge, mind-blowing idea, just something that takes a lot of consistency, something that takes a lot of humility, and a willingness just to kind of walk this path. And so today, as we move forward to have communion, we pray that we'd be able to to bring our honesty to this table, maybe where we haven't been trustworthy people, where we keep making all these promises. We say things like, hey, man, I'm praying for you, but we're not really praying for that person. Or, hey, man, I'll be there for you because, you know, Jesus has been there for me. We're not really for those people. We're not present with them. So whatever it is, that lack of character we have, that lack of willing to actually be people of our word and follow through, not just invoking your name, and then demanding people to trust us. But instead, people who live out of your name, of who you are, of what you have done for us, that that kind of reality would become so true for us, people just go, man, there's something different, and man, I want more of that. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.